great God, awesome God, mighty God. You have blessed us exceedingly, abundantly above all that we could ever ask or imagine. We thank you today, God, for these graduates and for all who have worked with them up until this point. We pray now that your word will be applicable to their lives and that you'll be glorified, your people will be blessed. In the marvelous, magnificent, miracle-working name of Jesus, our victorious Christ, we pray. Amen, amen, amen. Today is a great day in the life of our church family, and I want to say thank you to the Good Hope Missionary Baptist Church for supporting young people the way that you do. Thank you so much for your generous giving, your tithes and your offerings that make it possible for us to bless these young people financially. Thank you to the scholarship and the, the committee and the, those of you who work with our teens and our children. You've done a tremendous job. On yesterday, the, uh, the, the team, the committee uh, put together baccalaureate service as such. Uh, I mean, awards, I mean, a, a banquet as such. And uh, Sister Karen Turner uh, and Brother Jared Williams brought tremendous messages. Amen. Amen. To our graduates. And we're just so grateful for that. Today, graduates, I want to just talk to you some about three things every graduate needs to know. Three things every graduate needs to know. And I want to, again, uh, echo words of congratulations to you for a job well done. For in approximately a little better than a week or so, you will officially become high school graduates. Uh, you will share the spotlight, if you will, just one more time with your classmates. And I remember, I can't remember if it was college or high school, uh, graduation back in 1974. I know it was a long time ago. But uh, one of our instructors uh, told us, they said, take a good look around. They said, because this will be the last time that you will see your class together. So on graduation day, I want you to take a deep breath and take a good look around. Because that will be the last time you will see your high school class of 2016 together. You will go your separate ways. You will travel diverse paths. You will make various marks on society and the world. This is an exciting time. I know it is. But it's also a time uh, mixed with a little bit of apprehension for some of you and a little uncertainty and and I know we live in a time of machoism and egos, but perhaps a little bit of fear in there someplace with all the excitement, a little bit of fear, a little bit of uncertainty. So with this thought in mind, I want to just share three things with you that I think will help you. And my hope and my prayers that these three things will help you as you move onward and upward. And what I want to do uh, is uh, ha after I have it proofed and everything, I want to give you a copy of this because I want you to be able to take it with you along with a handwritten note from me to you and a scripture. But first, 
every graduate needs to know that time passes quickly. So seize the day. 1974 for me seems just like a breath away. Uh, when I sat with my classmates at C.A. Johnson High School, and since that time, uh, uh, for over 40 years has passed, and it's almost like just yesterday I was there where you all are. It, so it passes quickly, but seize the day. What I mean by that is strike while the iron is hot. Take advantage of every opportunity you can while you can. In the movie Dead Poet Society, some of you may perhaps saw that movie. It starred uh, Robin Williams, and he played a teacher at a prestigious all-boys school. Uh, he was an English teacher at this prestigious, prestigious boys' school. And in an effort to help his students understand the importance of seizing the day, I mean, he was like any teacher. I mean, teachers just dread it when students waste time. And so, and so, and so he taught them this lesson uh, about um, making the best of every opportunity. So what he did was he took his students uh, uh, to a uh, trophy case or a place in the school where they had pictures of, of old students students that had graduated a long time ago had this one picture of the boys were in there I guess rugby uniform and uh, and, and it, it was from class years and years ago and so he he asked the students he basically you know what do you think they're doing now and they looked at each other with a puzzled look on his face on their faces and William said to them he said um, they're food for worms boys Food for worms. In other words, the time has passed. Their season had come. They once were rugby stars. They once were bright, great athletes. But they were all gone on now to their eternal destination. And so Robin Williams said at that point, he said, carpe diem, which means seize the day. Seize the day. Class of 2016, God has blessed you richly. As I reflect upon the classes that have come through this church in my tenure here, um, and I look at you and I said, man, you are a blessed, blessed, blessed class. High school graduation is a milestone in your lives. You are all young, all intelligent, all vibrant. So we want to encourage you to seize the day. You have more opportunities to, to continue your education uh, to have great careers and to impact your communities and even the world. More opportunities than many of your parents, your grandparents, and your foreparents even dreamed about. Your parents and grandparents, foreparents didn't even dream of living in a society where you, they would have the opportunities that, that you have today. Amen. And they've worked hard, very hard, to make it possible for you to be here. God has blessed you to have a church family uh, backing you prayerfully and financially. And I was just talking to my wife the other day, and I served as a military chaplain, and I said, you know, and, and, and around other churches, and I was just thinking, I've never seen a church that, that pours their lives and, and their finances into the young people the way that uh, this congregation does. I'm sure there are others out there. It's just that I was not associated with one. But um, this church is pouring into you. And, and the unique thing about this church is that when you go off to school, you'll get texts, you'll get calls, you'll get emails, and they will be tracking you as well as financially blessing you. 
And don't be surprised if you don't look up one day and find a member of the team, a good hope, on campus looking for you. So just don't be surprised because good hope is that kind of church. Uh, this church has, will continue to support you. And I want you to know that God is able uh, to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all you could ever ask or think. God is able. So have fun. Laugh a lot. Enjoy your youth. But don't waste your time on foolishness. Time is one of our most precious commodities. So we want to encourage you to spend it wisely. Have, enjoy yourself. Laugh. Have fun. Uh, but, but, but don't waste your time on foolishness. Time is your, one of your most pr- precious commodities. Here's a footnote. Don't waste your time on nonproductive people. Now, that sounds a little tough, but it's true. There will be people you meet along the way who will have absolutely no appreciation for life and no gratitude for the blessings that they have given. They have decided to float along day by day, and you probably already met some of them, just decided to just float along day by day. Day. They have no worthwhile goals, no valuable objectives, and no sensible plans for the future. I mean, that's just the, the way it is. To involve yourselves with such people will hurt you. I know any other way to say it, but to involve yourself with such, such people will hurt you. They, and they might be good looking people, they might be fine people, they might be people. With money, but with no goals, no objections, uh, uh, no objectives. If you align yourself with them, they'll hurt you. So here's what you do. Here's what you do for them. You love them. You pray for them. You respect them. And you point them in the right direction. But don't waste your time. Don't waste your energy. Don't waste your efforts. Don't even waste your resources spinning your wheels trying to help people who don't want to be helped. Now I had, amen. And I had to, I, I had to learn that the hard way. I mean, I won't go into details. My wife knows the story of a young man that I tried to help, but I tell you the truth, I ended up on my back sick trying to help a person that really did not want to be helped. Now, in case you want a scripture precedent for this, because we need scripture, right, to stand on whatever we say, we need to have scripture for it, right? So you won't just say, well, pastor said that. But, 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 but here, here's a text. In the Gospel of John, chapter 5, verse 6, Jesus saw a man who had been unable to walk, the Bible tells us, for 38 long years. This man was lying there at a pool called Bethesda, And there were other sick people who were there as well. So Jesus walked up to him. And Jesus asked him this question. He said, do you want to be made whole or do you want to be made well? That's what he said. He walked up to him. Saw the man laying there, a whole lot of other people, you know, just around this pool. Do you want to be made well? 
the implication of Jesus' question is, if you want me to help you, I will. That's the implication of, of the question. But if you want to remain in your present condition, if you want to just lay here, if you want to just hang out, if you want to just smoke dope, if you want to just drink liquor, if you want to just sleep around, you can certainly do that if that's what you want to do. The choice is yours. Now, that's the implication. The application in this text is the man said, I want to be made well. And Jesus helped him, and he left that place walking. He left in a better condition than he was. But not only must you not waste your time on non-productive people, class of 16, don't waste your time on non-productive practices. Non-productive practices equates to participating in activities or events that will hurt you, hinder you, hamper you, halt you, defraud you, deceive you, defame you, derail you, damage you, and in some cases even destroy you. Nonproductive activities and events, get this now, market themselves this is how this is how they market themselves they market themselves as having fun and having freedom i'm away now i'm on my own now i'm grown now i can i can do the kind of things that i want to do mama's nowhere around and dad is nowhere around and pastor and social pastors and i'm I'm away from my good hope family And, and so these things will camouflage themselves and they'll 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 Paint a false picture of what reality is really all about, and, 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 and they'll even destroy you. Nonproductive activities and events market themselves as fun and freedom, while in reality, they are nothing more than dream killers. Dream killers. Bombs. Bombs looking for some place to explode. So class of 2016, don't you be the exploding ground. Stay as far away from non-productive events and non-productive activities as you can. Stay as far away as you can from illegal drugs. Makes no difference who's doing it, who tells you to do it. Stay away from it. Stay as far as you can away from alcohol abuse. Uh, I know it'll look good. I mean, I've been around the frat houses. I I know what it looks like. I've been to the late night parties on on campus, but I want to tell you, stay away from it. It'll ruin you. Stay as far away as you can from premarital sex. I I know that's old-fashioned, and I know we don't like to talk about that much anymore, and and I know that it's been accepted by many people, but I want to tell you to stay away from it. It'll ruin you. Stay away from pornography. Stay away from those 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 pop-ups and those sites. And, and if you're watching it on television, you and if it pops up, you walk away. If you're in the lounge, if you wherever you are, the dorm room, if it comes up, you walk away. Stay away from lying and stealing and, and cheating and every ungodly activity and event. You know what they are. Now, will it be easy? No. 
But whenever you attempted to go there and you will be attempted to you will be tempted to go there whenever you attempted to go there. Remember the words of Paul in Philippians 4:13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Remember that Jesus is your strength. Ask the Holy Spirit to guide you and ask the Holy Spirit to help you. And I'm a witness at almost 60 years old if you ask him. You see, some of us have not because we ask not. But if you ask the Savior to help you, comfort stripping and keep you, Jesus is willing. Oh, yeah, to aid you, Jesus will will carry you through. And on the morning after, you'll feel a whole lot better. If you live beyond the moment, you'll feel a whole lot better. God will help you. Second, 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 as graduates, You need to know that God has a plan for your life. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. Whether you are five, six, or six, five, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. God made you. Our children used to sing a song. I don't hear it much anymore now, but they used to sing, heads back, chest up. God made me who I am. You're fearfully and you're wonderfully made. You're not here by accident. You're not here by coincidence. You're not here by happenstance or a chance. You're here because in God's divine arrangement for the world, he has a special plan and a special place for you. You are wired. Each one of you are wired for God's plan. Your spiritual DNA is geared towards God's plan. Your makeup, your personality, your gifts, your talents, and your abilities are all a part of God's plan for you. And God made you like he wanted to make you. And God does not make any mistakes. And whatever you have, whatever gifts, talents, and abilities, they belong to you. And God expects you to use them for his glory. Listen to the words of Jeremiah, the prophet in Jeremiah 29 and 11. The old prophet said, for I know God said, for I know the plans I have for you. Oh, yeah. You may not know them, but God knows. He said, I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and the future. Can I tell you something? You stay in God's hand and nobody can stop your future. No matter what folk put in your path, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. God has a future for you. But you know what? You got a part to play in God's plan for your life. Your part is to be obedient to God. Your part is to remain faithfully committed to live a life in a manner that you know is pleasing to God. Like clay in the hands of a skillful potter. Stay in God's hands. Allow him to shape you, make you, and mold you into whatever it is he wants you to be. Don't fight it. Don't resist it. Whatever God wants you to be, let let, let him make you into what he wants you to be. Now, to be sure, there will be competing voices. There always are. 
shouting things in your ears which are diametrically opposed to God's plan. But don't you be deceived. You know better. I know you know better because, 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 because you've been around good hope, so you know better. Those of you who were here from your little kindergarten days all the way through middle school and high school, I know you know better because I know what they teach you at this church. In some of your homes, you've been taught better, so you know. You, you know the story, don't you? You know the story of Jesus who suffered and bled and died on Calvary's cross to save you from your sins. You know how he got up from the grave on early Sunday morning with all power in his hands. You know Jesus for yourself, so stay with the plan. And if you are leaving home after graduation, going to college, military, joining the workforce, find yourself a good Bible-believing church. To worship in on Sunday morning. I like, I like to say this. Good Hope is one of God's best churches. But it's not the only one. And so I've had graduates go away and they, people tell me, well, Pastor, you know, I go to church, but, you know, ain't nothing like Good Hope. And I, you know what? All that might be true, but don't use that excuse. When you go someplace, there are other good churches out there. And don't wait till you come home on vacation, spring break, and Christmas and Easter to go to church. There are other good churches out there. So you, you go to church on Sunday morning. You be tempted to sleep in, but you get up and you go to church on Sunday morning. You hear that word. You grow in that word. If you go into college, find the Baptist Student Union on campus, or find the fellowship of Christian athletes, or a fine campus crusade for Christ, or find in a varsity Christian fellowship, or some other group that teaches the truth, because you're going to need that support. Now, here's a footnote. Peer pressure is still very much alive. I had it in my day. Mother Patterson had it in her day. Mother Speed had it in her day. We, peer pressure is still alive. We all face peer pressure. But instead of yielding to the negative peer pressure, instead of going alone to get along, you stand on what's right. I heard a very motivating story, class 2016. I want to share this with you. I've shared it before. Maybe you heard it, but I like telling it, so we'll hear it again. It's a very motivating story. It's about a, a young man like y'all that came from a good church. And uh, he was involved in his youth group at church. And he would do all kind of night activities, read scripture and pray at church. But the day came, like the day is coming for y'all, that he graduated. So this young man graduated and he went off to college and sure enough, when he got to college, he found a good Bible believing church and he started fellowshipping and, and he started being involved in the ministries on campus and students took note. He won the respect of the faculty, staff and the student body. And in fact, he, the things that he was doing on campus in the community made the newspaper. So the reporter came out to the school. And he wanted to talk to this young man. He says, he says, son, he said, you, you, what you're doing is remarkable. He said, I, I know you came from a good church. I know you came from a good family. I know you were active in your youth group at your church, and you're doing all of these things on campus. He said, but I got one question for you. 
He says, how do you do? How have you managed to deal with the peer pressure? So the young man looked at him without even flinching. And he said, sir, on my campus, I am the peer pressure. So class of 2016, when you step on campus, you be the peer pressure. You set the standards. You command and demand that others come up to where you are. But don't you go down to where they are. You belong to Jesus Christ, graduates, first and foremost. You belong to your families, but you are good hope again. Are you listening to me? You are good hopians. So you make sure that you become the peer pressure. Third and finally, as I prepare to conclude, every graduate needs to know that you are not alone. You are not alone because you have your immediate family. And they've worked so hard and sacrificed so much. You don't even know the magnitude of the sacrifices of your family members. Mom in some case, dad, aunts, uncles worked hard. My grandmother now is 107 years old and uh, she fell recently. And my cousin says she, grandma is not walking very much now. She's afraid to, to walk. And I just spoke with her. And she said, now, you know, she's in the hospital, but she's doing okay. And I spoke to grandma, and she came out of the She's coming out of the hospital. And my cousin said, well, she's going to have to go into a home now. But as I reflect upon Grandmama Pickett, I reflect upon all the sacrifices she made for me. I remember the days going to work with her as she walked to the bus stop in the blazing hot sun and how we got on the bus and when she got to where she was going, they called it housework in those days. We call it domestic work now and it's a fancy business, but I watched her down on her knees scrubbing other folk bathtubs. And so and so and so when I, when, when I, when I think about the sacrifices that she made, it drives me to do things that God has called me to do. Your parents have made some sacrifices. You don't know it. Your grandparents, your cousins. The church has made some sacrifices. And those dollars you got in that check today, some of those dollars, there's some tears behind some of those dollars. Those dollars you got and those dollars you're going to get, while you were sleeping, some folk were up early on the job making those dollars. Some of them have had to deal with nasty and negative supervisors and co-workers, but they were making those dollars that's in your check. Some of them went to work sick, didn't want to go, didn't want to be there. But they made sacrifices to help you along the way. And listen, even if you made mistakes along the way, don't let that stop you. God is a forgiving God. So we don't mind making the sacrifices. We just want you to do the best you can. 
Uh, you're not alone because you got some friends, some good friends who be praying for you. Uh, um, you're not alone because, again, your church family is with you. And some of you have been here longer than others, but that doesn't matter. What really matters is we are all good hopians. And you know what? Good hopians, as good hopians, we just do what we do. Yeah, we just do what we do. We do evangelism, discipleship, and, and, and missions, and, and it doesn't matter to us what side the tracks you live on. We just do what we do. It doesn't matter what your mama and daddy did. We just do what we do. Listen, we don't, it doesn't even matter if you made a mistake along the way. You can recover. We just do what we do to help you recover. We do what we do. We pray for each other. We, we encourage each other. Then you, we encourage you. We help each other. And now that you're graduating from high school, doesn't mean that you're graduating from your relationship with good hope. We have a saying around here, once a good hope here. Always a good hope here. Amen. So your youth leaders, I'm going to tell you up front, they're going to be tracking you. They're going to be texting you. They're going to be emailing you. They're going to be calling you on the phone if need be. And even if need be, listen, Sister Pickett is getting ready to retire. We might show up on campus. Matter of fact, I think I will. I, I think I'm just going to say that right now. I think I'm going to come to Cookman and PC and Polk State. I'm just going to show up. I'm going to come to Florida State. I'm going to show up. Lord spares my life. I'm going to show up. I'm going to be looking for you. But before I get there, I'm going to check around and ask, have you seen them at Baptist Student Union? I want to know where you're going to church. I want to know who you're hanging out with. I want to know how you're spending your free time. And I know I ain't by myself. I, we got a social staff, pastors, raring to go. We got this. We going to show up. I know I'm going to show up. Yeah, your church family will, will bless you by prayer, but your church family will bless you financially while you are pursuing your college degrees. Why? Because that's what we do. That's what God has told us to do. That's why we do what we do, because God told us to do it. But not only are you not alone because of your immediate family and friends and your Good Hope family, you're not alone because of Jesus. Notice what he says in Matthew 28 and 20. Jesus says, surely. He said, I'm with you. Always. Sometimes you're going to drop the ball, but he said, I'm with you. Sometimes you're going to miss the mark, but he's going to say, I'm with you. Sometimes you're going to say, I messed it up. But I'm with you always. Notice what he says in Hebrews 13 and 5. He says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Now, I know that there are some folk who will leave you. Some folk who promise, I'll be there for you. I'm going to help you out. But when going gets tough, some folk back up. Some folks say, I, I never leave you, but in their mind, that means as long as you're looking good, as long as you're doing fine. But what that means is if you mess up, if you embarrass me, I'm going to leave you.
But Jesus will never leave you. He'll be there. He'll be there. You're not alone. Because Jesus promised to be right there. Listen, when you go through deep waters, and you will, he's there. When you face the trials and temptations of life, I want you to know, class of 2016, he's there. When life circumstances and situations are unfair and you feel like you've been mistreated and you feel like you didn't get the grade that you deserved and you feel like you were not treated fair, he's with you. In the sunshine and in the rain, he's there. Doing the highs and the lows, he's there. Paul explains the thereness of Jesus like this in Romans 8, 38 and 39. Paul said, for I am persuaded that neither death nor life, neither angels nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So class of 2016, this is from your pastor's heart. This is from the word of God. You keep looking up. You keep pressing on. You keep praising his holy name. You keep trusting in God. You keep your hand in God's unchanging hand. I want you to know that God will. He'll be right there for you. God will take care of you. God's got your front. God's got your back. God's got you sideways. God will take care of you.